Hello and welcome to another episode of CryptoCast. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Ben Appleby, CEO of Cake, which provides decentralized support for the crypto ecosystem. Hi Ben, it's great to have you on. Great to be here, James. Thank you. So I think just as a sort of starting point, it'd be great to know a little bit about what Cake is, what the purpose of Cake is, and kind of what led you to create Cake. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've been kind of following the crypto and blockchain space for quite a while. Um, and some of the kind of issues that I recognized um, in the in the space was that I was getting a lot of noobs asking me the same questions about, you know, what's Bitcoin? How do I get involved? Um, and over the years, I've seen a lot of people um, suffer from kind of scams as well. So 95% of the projects out there are kind of rug pulls. A lot of the projects have anonymous founders, so most people want to want to be involved, but they're not prepared to do their own research. Um, and so it dawned on me that in this um, era of micro content um, and Twitter and um, WhatsApp, people want instant on-demand uh, answers to their queries. Um, and that's really where the idea of the cake came from. So the cake um, is an on-demand um, chat platform for the crypto ecosystem. Um, and it aims to provide sort of consumers and businesses with the best crypto and blockchain knowledge and advice from a pool of trusted experts. And it's interesting how you're talking about people sort of getting into and understanding uh, and accepting blockchain and crypto. What do you see as the biggest hurdles for, for new people looking to enter into the space and understand it? Yeah, so I think there's a few things there. I think the first thing, and it's the sort of, the most important one is that a lot of people just kind of don't understand it and don't really kind of understand how it works when they start to kind of dip their toe in the water and peel back the layers um there's a lot of very technical jargon around um and people just kind of switch off to that so you know the amount of times i've been trying to explain bitcoin to somebody and you try to you try to start using analogies and after about 30 seconds, you can see their faces, they just sort of completely glaze over and they're kind of, you know, they're tapping out already. Um, and so we wanted to provide something that actually sort of humanizes crypto and actually gives you friendly faces from people that are talking in layman's terms. And what sort of tips do you have for those looking to get into blockchain and crypto? I mean, if you're being someone who's not used to it or, or even someone at maybe a larger financial institution who, you know, has heard all the buzz phrase and, and has fear of missing out, but but actually, you know, is, is now trying to come in. What sort of tips do you have for them looking to work, work within the space or work with the space? Okay, so I think there's kind of two different kind of user types, if you like, there. There's the kind of, um, you know, the, the average kind of Joe on the street who just wants to kind of understand crypto, wants to start getting into it and kind of experiment, if you like. So the best thing for those kind of people to do is actually um, just take the leap of faith and jump onto you know, a trusted platform like Coinbase or Binance um, and actually you know, buy some Bitcoin, buy some crypto um, and actually start using it. Um, when I started using sort of crypto um, in the early days, um, you only really sort of understand what it is and how it works by actually using it so i think the first kind of point of adoption is actually getting people to kind of start using it to kind of figure out what it is um most people that kind of you know get into bitcoin they'll go on to um you know coinbase for example they'll buy a bit of crypto and then they don't really do anything with it so kind of what i recommend to those people is to you know once you've got some crypto is send a bit to a friend um 
you know, make some transactions and kind of really understand how it works. You might then want to try and find some, you know, retailers that accept crypto and, and make some payments to them and really understand kind of how it works and understand that you're transferring um, this value. And then in terms of kind of business users or financial institutions or those kind of guys, um, we see a lot of them, uh, a lot of the kind of progressive ones are kind of setting up, um, you know, crypto or blockchain groups within their organization where they can really kind of start to get to grips with the fundamentals, um, start learning about, you know, more complex issues like tax or compliance, for example. And I think the best thing to do is just to get involved in the community. There's so many people out there that want to kind of, you know, onboard people. Um, and, you know, you look on the cake, for example, you know, the majority of users there are really just happy to talk about, um, you know, the different services and, and what crypto does. Um, and it's a really, really helpful community. You can go to sort of networking events. If you want to learn about Ethereum, you've got stuff like Ethereum London. You can go along. There are going to be, you know, usually sort of quite technical people there, but they're really happy to help um, and explain, you know, any queries or questions that you've got. And so I really encourage people people to get involved um, in these groups, um, go out and, and touch base with people um, and get involved. And, uh, you know, you'll find that there's, you know, a very rich a group of people who are very passionate and, and will happily sort of talk about, you know, crypto and blockchain and Ethereum and tokens, you know, all day long. So, you know, reach out to them um, and uh, you'll you'll be surprised um, how helpful the community can be. I think in terms of, you know, also one of the things as community other things is what sorts of people are you seeing move into blockchain and crypto? Are there kind of stereotypical types that you come across when, you, when, you, when you're talking to people about how these things sorts of work or... Is that actually is it all sorts of people are interested in, in coming in? There's quite a wide variety of people. Um, it does tend to be the kind of at the moment still the kind of you know the kind of tech and early adopters. Um, but if you look at it in a more broad sense, um, there's a chunk of people out there who actually um, are in you know countries where you know their financial systems are actually you know fairly corrupted um, and their economies are broken. So we're talking about places like Venezuela, Nigeria, Lebanon, Argentina. And these kind of people um, are actually having trouble getting basic financial services. So these are the kind of people that kind of really need um, crypto. They need to sort of, you know, preserve capital. They need kind of free trade. And this is really where the sort of the guts of, you know, Satoshi's vision originated um, to help people to have this kind of free financial market. Um, the next kind of people up that kind of curve are the people that kind of, you know, want to get involved into crypto, but they're still too cautious. Um, so they've heard about it. They might have heard their friends talking about Bitcoin, um, but they're still kind of really not convinced. A lot of them probably think that it's a scam. And that's a pretty good sort of stance to be in because, you know, a lot of the projects are a scam. And that's obviously one of the reasons why we kind of started the cake. Um when you start to go up that kind of adoption curve, you've got people that are then actually kind of already in. So these are people that have kind of purchased Bitcoin. They might have gone out and got some Ethereum. And now they're kind of thinking, okay, I figured it out that it's not a scam. We've got it in our wallets and it goes up and we look at it every few months and it seems to go up in value. That's brilliant. Um, so the next kind of thing that they want to be doing is um, they want to grow it. They want to look at um, other projects. They want to you know, purchase some other cryptocurrencies. They might want to look at DeFi. They're probably, you know, interested in the sort of NFT hype. 
Um, and so these people are kind of, you know, already in and now they're looking to expand their knowledge. And then at the kind of slightly higher end of the job adoption scale, we've got sort of businesses. Um, these guys want to kind of understand, you know, more complex issues. They might have blockchain businesses. They might want help with kind of legal and tax and compliance. Um, and these are the guys that are actually sort of quite in innovative in the space as well. Um, and so that's where we kind of see the sort of the general kind of user base um, in the crypto space. I think just changing tax time, I think one of the things we should talk about is because you've been focused on it, are DAOs or decentralized autonomous organizations. We have to, I think, to start by sort of explaining what a DAO is. And I think from, from a lot of listeners, I think we'll be interested in why someone would set up a DAO rather than just a traditional company when, when operating. Yeah, so we see a lot of um, businesses sort of tokenizing. And this is these are the sort of guys that are sort of quite early adopters. They're creating new projects. And like, like I was talking about the sort of community aspect of it. Um, if you go into, you know, sort of Telegram groups and WhatsApp groups, these people are kind of supporting kind of projects that they've seen um, over the years. Um, and, you know, they've got a voice and a lot of these people will end up becoming, you know, uh, group administrators. So the ones that are kind of like shown to be, you know, active in the in the groups um, will actually sort of almost go up in the ranks. And then this is kind of where it started, I think. Um, that this rich community on these platforms are kind of, you know, talking about the projects to other people um, and then helping to sort of facilitate the conversation in these groups. And I think that's really where the idea of a DAO kind of started. And then the nat natural sort of evolution of that is, you know, these people that are kind of um, contributing to the, to the projects um, have got a say. Um, and because they're kind of holding the tokens as well, the idea of a DAO was, was, was born. And it actually gives them the ability to kind of vote and have a say. Um, and because these businesses are tokenized, the people that are kind of supporting the projects, they're holding, uh, you know, the token. So, for example, if we're talking about Ethereum, um, you're going to be holding Ether. Um, and it means that when the business or the project um, has, you know, complex issues or decisions to be made about what they're going to do next, they've now got these members who have kind of committed their time and resources into the project um, and they actually use their tokens um, and pay a gas fee and actually vote. And it can be anything as simple as a kind of, you know, a three answer survey. Um, what sh where should we market next? Or what, you know, budget of tokens do we want to allocate to the next bit of development? And so these people can get the right to vote um, and we call them sort of governance tokens. And so obviously a DAO stands, stands for a de decentralized autonomous organization. And what that means is that the rules of the business, and I guess in a sort of traditional business, um, you know, it would be your sort of your policy and your regs. And these would be kind of written out on documents. And these documents would be stored, you know, on a Google Drive or your, you know, internal kind of IT system. Well, what's happening now is these rules and these sort of, um, you know, compliance um, or you know, strategic objectives are actually put on chain. So, you know, these documents are held on the blockchain and everybody can see them. And so it's completely open and transparent. And that's a really interesting sort of thing to sort of get your head around. Um, 
at the moment, if you wanted to kind of look inside, you know, an organization like IBM, for example, you'd actually have to sort of work there. You'd have to sort of get in there and to actually get to those documents and understand, you know, who they are and what they're doing. It would be kind of internal presentations. It would be a very kind of top down kind of situation. The leaders in the business would you know, give presentations to the staff. Um, and if you're kind of senior or lucky enough to kind of, you know, be involved in those decisions, you'd, you'd have a say. Now, what the DAO does, it kind of levels out that decision-making process. What it says is, if you're part of the community or part of the project, then you've got a right to vote just as much as anyone else does. And so being a token holder, you can then kind of read the documents that are transparent um, on the blockchain, just in the same way that, you know, the Bitcoin ledger is, is public on the blockchain. And anybody can go and view that. And so as a community member, you're able to sort of, look at those um, proposals or look at those kind of strategic and, and actually challenge them and kind of raise a challenge against it and actually get support from the other community members and they can vote on those policies. So it means that, you know, the people that are kind of providing, you know, good ideas um, into the community, they can surface change um, and the rest of the community can use their governance tokens, um, pay a bit of gas fee and actually vote on these issues. And it means that um, you've got quite a sort of flat hierarchy and it means that it's almost sort of a bit like crowdsourcing. It's sort of, you know, crowd decision making, if that makes sense. Um, and I think we're going to see, you know, more and more of these DAOs um, expand as as we move into the future. And that's one of the things that, you know, the cake um, is, you know, basing its kind of future model on. We've got a set of advisors um, who, you know, a lot of them are community members. They're sort of well known within the space. They're kind of thought leaders. Um, and they're sort of, you know, giving their... Um, advice on on the platform for anybody who wants to sort of come in and get it. Now, those advisors um, in the in the context of the cake, um, some of the some of them are going to be sort of quicker to to reply. For example, some of them are going to have sort of specific um, topic areas of expertise. Um, and as the kind of um, user engagement kind of votes for those advisors and actually sort of you know. Um, give some sort of credentials for the things that they're talking about. We can kind of see that in the um, in the engagement metrics, and we can measure that. Um, and what that means is we can then promote um, advisors that are seen to be trustworthy, seen to be topic area e experts, um, and the ones that are quick to reply. We can actually offer them um, governance tokens. We can say you can accept these governance tokens, and you're now able to to vote. Um, on the, on the decisions that the leadership team would normally make. So all the decisions with the cake, myself and the leadership team, we sit down, we scratch our heads, we figure out what the best way to sort of deal with the issue is, and then we come to a decision. As the cake grows out, more and more of these advisors, and you know, let, let, let's face it, a lot of these advisors are a lot, you know, a lot more sharp and, 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 and more clever than you know, a sum of you know, five um, leadership team members. And so we can really start to use their kind of expertise and de-risk the decisions that we're making. Um, and all the decisions that are made, it's all transparent. And the governance tokens that they've got, that's transparent as well. So it's a bit like taking a sort of traditional organisation and just completely um, exposing all the mechanics and all the workings and you know letting everybody look at it. And then you're in a really interesting place because you've got these different experts who can look at the different uh, policies and actually go, well, hang on a minute. I think you could do this in a better way. Let's put it to a vote. And that would never really happen um, in, a, in a big organization. And that's where, you know, DAOs seem to sort of, you know, challenge the status quo in that respect. 
No, that, that's really interesting. I think you know, in, in a world where people are worried about employees isn't the right word, but, but engagement by those not at the top of the organisation, it's going to be interesting what impact DAOs could have on that. I'm afraid that's all we've got time for for today. If anybody listening wants to reach out to Ben, his email is ben at thecake.chat. Ben, it's been really interesting having you on. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, James. Thank you for listening to our latest podcast. Gunner Cook has a market-leading blockchain, crypto assets and DeFi team providing legal advice across the whole of the blockchain ecosystem. Our members have been heavily involved in helping shape the legal and regulatory framework for blockchain and crypto assets from the start, meaning that we have an intuitive understanding of our clients' needs and can provide focused, pragmatic advice at predictable cost. For more information, please visit our website. Thank you again.